I realized I had kids from a third grade reading level all the way to 12th grade. And so what was logical to me was um, that I couldn't meet all of their needs using a standardized curriculum. Hey there, Powder Cake fans. Nick here from the Powder Cake team, and this is episode 118 of Powder Cake Igniting Startups, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas outside of Silicon Valley. Today, we'll be speaking with Jaime Martinez, and Jaime is the founder and CEO of the Phoenix-based edtech company, Scola. And Scola is an educational technology that's focused on streamlining the recruitment process and enrollment process for all public and private pre-K through 12 schools. So Jaime actually started his entrepreneurial career after graduating from Arizona State University and working as a teacher for Teach for America. And he's consulted and worked for numerous companies with a strong focus on student education and is now the founder and CEO of Scola. And this interview is just awesome. It's really great to hear his story and it's really great to see what he's building with Scola. So let's jump right in. And so we're talking to uh, Jaime Martinez, who is the founder and CEO of Scola, a ed tech company based out of Phoenix, Arizona, which is now spreading across the country, as he just told me before we started this podcast. And to help me talk to him today again is Clay Gordon from Stout Street. And really, Jaime, just to kind of kick things off, to get let the fans get to know you, what is it that made you want to start with entrepreneurship? What is there a moment, moments that... Damn you know, kind of kicked you off on that journey? Uh, yeah, so I was never really trying to go after entrepreneurship. It's something I kind of uh, fell into. Um, you know, to go all the way back, my family uh, is traditionally from Mexico, and so having a business just runs in the family, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so I saw that growing up. I was, uh, during the summers, I would help out my grandparents in their catering trucks. Uh, in restaurants that they had, and so I was that kid that would clear out the tables and and see uh, the inner workings of, of uh, small businesses. Uh, fast forward a few years, um, I was a horrible student in school. Horrible, right? Uh, I was just never connected uh, in high school into that experience, um, but luckily I had some wonderful teachers that saw um, more and, and, and saw uh, what I could achieve if I had just, you know, could funnel all my attention to one one place. And so I actually went to community college first, and that's where I really started getting into um, my interest, which was marketing, finance, um, transferred over to ASU and uh, started doing extremely well and graduated with honors and was this honor student then. Um, and it was largely due to really focusing in areas that, that were of interest to me. And during that time, I was working at Ameriprise Financial. Uh, my job was to look at Morningstar every day, uh, see what mutual funds, uh, what, the, what was performing, what was not performing. Uh, I would then make recommendations to the uh, financial advisor for uh, what we should uh, do or not do for our clients on the 401ks and, and all that good stuff. So it was a lot of very data-heavy um, uh, process, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but I really wasn't making an impact, right, for folks like me that, that were uh, struggling in school. 
Um, and as I was going to graduate from ASU, uh, Teach for America came knocking. And so I joined Teach for America. The idea was do Teach for America two years, then go off to law school, do some like tax attorney type stuff. Um, both my wife and I were studying for the LSAT. Um, and so I went to Teach for America uh, and my wife went off to law school and it was that first day that I knew I was hooked in education. I was teaching in a low-income uh, school district, primarily Hispanic uh, students, um, very, very low-income, um, and, and just really stood there and realized how much power a teacher has. Right? I had 35 students just looking at me, and it's really weird when you realize how much power a teacher has that whatever comes out of your mouth is going to be truth to those students. And so as I got to know my students throughout the months, um, I realized, again, being a data guy, I just started segmenting them by, by their ability level. I realized I had kids from a third grade reading level all the way to 12th grade. And so what was logical to me was um, that I couldn't meet all of their needs using a standardized curriculum where, by the way, because of the school I was in, I had to script out my lessons beforehand and the, how the school leaders uh, thought that we were going to reach them is by reading off of a script, right? Everyone learns the same thing at the same time, even though there's this huge disparity in ability levels. Um, so again, I, I knew that there were other schools around us, and so I just started sending my kids to other schools um, and, and was talking to their families and based on their needs and interests, I started helping my students enroll in charter schools, private schools, district schools. And um, then I got a knock on my door. My administrators came around and they said, Mr. Martinez, what the hell are you doing? You're giving away money. <laughs> and that just blew my mind, right? Like at that time, my daughter had just been born in December. And so to think that, you know, schools are incentivized uh, to keep kids because they're adding to the bottom line, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate um, for students and for schools. Um, and so I was there for two years. I, you know, I, on the down low, I still sent students uh, to other schools if they needed it. Um, but then I transferred to a charter school, and in that charter school, I was able to make more of an impact as I was able to diversify uh, the way that I was teaching, um, was asked to become a school leader, was asked to open up my own school. And while going through that process, because I had this marketing and financial background, I was actually able to open schools up uh, under budget in a short amount of time. And the, uh, the C CMO, the organization, Charter Management Organization, um, they said, hey, instead of opening, instead of being a, a principal, how about you just open schools for us? And so that's when I became a marketing director. And um, I did that for a couple of years and then another school district came, came knocking and they said, hey, what, can you help us grow? Um, so I did that for them and I helped them expand from Tucson into, into Phoenix and then a consultancy came and said, hey, whatever you're doing with these schools, do you want to do that across the country with all schools? And so I said yes. Uh, and so the, off I went as a consultant um, helping private schools, charter schools, district schools understand why they were losing students, right, primarily using data, um, understand 
how they could grow their organization, what they needed to do to position it, restructure, um, all sorts of stuff. And um, while going through that process, my wife and I wanted to grow our family and um, opened up my own consulting uh, practice in Phoenix. And I just kept coming back to, you know, it's, it's unfair that as a teacher I was making 24K as a consultant, I'm making over 10K a month. It's, you know, there's, there's a disparity and there's way too much money being spent on marketing um, and, and being thrown to, to these guys um, and being spent on mailers and billboards and intangible items that are not gonna uh, benefit a child's education. And so there's this huge opportunity, right? And I was actually looking for something, some sort of uh, technology that could help me like expand our reach and so I joined uh, Seedspot Incubator which uh, it's a social venture incubator non-equity based it's, I liken it to like a 101 class right? entrepreneurship 101 and that's when I first realized that I was actually an entrepreneur as a we had our marketing agency for schools and I was growing my team and we were helping schools out but the more schools we got the more overhead the margins were really low, so it was like, there's got to be a better way. So those guys helped me out in understanding what technologies are out there that we could implement to to make more of an impact, not just in, in uh, regionally, but nationally. Um, so we put our MVP together. And uh, through, with the MVP, we were fortunate to get into um, Learn Launch Accelerator based in Boston. So off we went to Boston um, in 2017. And uh, that's really when, when we realized, so if, if SeedSpot was one-on-one, this was our you know, two, 300 level classes now. Now we got into the meat of things and understanding sales cycles and pricing and why price something at a certain point. Um, and that's really where we, um, the platform really came together. Uh, the idea really uh, just took off within uh, Arizona and uh, gave us, again, an understanding of the game that we were playing, if it's a long-term game, um, and the traction that we needed to hit in order to raise capital to continue to grow. And so we understood where our KPIs had to be. Um, and so thanks to Learn Launch 2018, we hit those KPIs. We raised capital, Stout Street came in. Um, and our goal for, uh, for this year, for 2019, was to be in in five states um, that are experiencing a lot of um, school choice uh, problems for parents and for schools. And um, when we released the platform on May 15th, uh, two months later, we were in 29 states. <laughs> and it was like, holy cow, all right, uh, how, do we, how do we do this? And so luckily we have um, Arizona Founders Fund, Romy Dillon, uh, Molly Ayorochi, who's really, who are very hands-on and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you don't want investors that are hands-on. But I found that that actually helps out a lot when you have people who understand what they're doing. Um, and so instead of trying to scale to 29 states and service everyone, um, we're just focusing for next year on having a repeatable sales model that we can then take on and, and expand to all of those states. And so that was... Uh, a long story on, on how we came to that be. That was good. Well, let me yeah. ask you a question on the product. Um, so Scola is a marketplace between parents and schools mm -hmm. to figure out what's the best way 
or what's the best school for my children. Right. Um, can you elaborate on that? Like, what does it look like in terms of the parent, and then sure. what does it look like from the, uh, the, the school? Yeah, so for a parent, the, the best way to explain it um, that most people just really understand it is like an eHarmony for schools, right? And it's, it's a free process um, where a parent can go on. They tell us what their non-negotiables are for finding a school, and then we match them to the school that meet their criteria. And so that's really the process. Um, the other thing that we've added for parents is we knew that we had to give away a free online enrollment platform, a free tour scheduler, and uh, the ability for parents to, to really apply online. And so mm -hmm. that's what we give away to all schools. The reason we had to give that away is that we knew that the people who are participating in choice um, more frequently are middle to high income individuals who understand that they have a choice. And in the communities that we were serving, uh, primarily low income black and brown communities, uh, they weren't participating in choice, not, not by choice, right? Uh, but because they didn't understand that they even had an option. And so that's really where we're making a huge impact. When we start marketing in low income areas, nine out of 10 people make a, a, a concerted choice on, on choosing a school maybe other than the one that they were assigned. Um, but in, in, in more frequency than, than not, they actually go to a district school. So that's on the parent side. So they can schedule tours, uh, begin the enrollment process all in, in a single spot. Um, for schools, if you think it's a, it's a full service marketing platform, what that means is we help them source the right type of leads and then we help them walk those leads through the um, enrollment process. So from warm lead to fully enrolled. And uh, we, we have a variable and fixed model for, uh, for how we charge schools. And ultimately, we're, we're saving a lot of schools money. So one example is in California, we had a school that was about to be shut down. Uh, they came to us in, in June, and they had 40 students. And they had their enrollment budget was set at 150. And so within two months of using our platform, they were, they were able to meet their enrollment goal and actually have a wait list. So we were, through our platform, they were able to generate over $900,000 in revenue. So we are revisiting our business model a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess I got a question in relates to that because uh, you know, speaking to parents, you know, it's it's incredibly valuable to parents to really understand, to your point, that they do have a choice. Mm. Um, so being a venture-backed company, that I guess uh, you know, part of the lens of the investors, and you had kind of highlighted to you know, Stout Street being one of them, you know, that are looking for a return on investment. You know, ed tech has not been the sexiest of industries. What um, what would you say to investors that have shied away from ed tech companies on yeah. why it's a good place to invest? Yeah, so this is something that we always come up against, right? Because with seasoned investors, they always ask us, uh, like, are you guys really ed tech, right? Are you a lead gen? Are you a marketplace? Like, like we are kind of all over the place. Um, so the way that school is in ed tech, first of all, is a lot of curriculum focused companies and ed tech are trying to focus on how do we personalize education for students. And so what we say is, well, we personalize, the, we are first in, in making sure that the kid is in the right classroom before you try to fix the, the issue. Um, but ed tech in general, I mean, education is a huge market. Like people just don't realize that the district school 
that their child goes to, they're now spending an average of 200000 on marketing efforts and communication efforts to make sure that they're top of mind. Um, education as a sector in general, is, it's only, you know, it goes hand in hand with health care at the national level. It's trillions of dollars um, always being spent on, on education. Um, so it's a, it's a huge sector that has had a lot of wins recently. Um, and it's just a wide open opportunity for, for a lot of companies and investors to really take a good hard look into education. Yeah, something that we really liked about school in particular was, to your point, like it really does save the school money yeah. uh, because marketing has been so inefficient. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say education, similar to healthcare that you had mentioned, is going through this massive innovation challenge right. of what that looks like. Um, and so that's what gets us extremely excited about Scola is it just seems like that there is a big fit. Uh, I think you had mentioned that um, you know you wanted to be in a couple states this year and you end up in 20 plus. Yeah. And I think that's the demand right. really kind of pulling you there, uh, which is really exciting. So maybe one question maybe outside of the business. Uh, I'm assuming it's incredibly fulfilling for this job given the background that right. you had mentioned getting into it. Do you feel like this is almost know social entrepreneurship where you can kind of be more value-add than just yeah. yeah yeah at the beginning we were you know towing with the notion of being are we a nonprofit like we're making a huge impact does that mean we have to be a nonprofit it's like well there's this great business model right so why not you know make an impact um, and make a profit right and so we can we can help a lot of parents and schools along the way um, so we, there's definitely a lot of that, um, you know, but back to um, a quick point on ad tech in general, one thing I would say to investors is we're recession proof. We're funded by tax dollars at the end of the day. Um, and a lot of companies uh, that are in the education space, they, they can say the same thing. Uh, not many entrepreneurs uh, can look at a, a financial downturn and be happy about it. Um, and that's the position we're in. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, as things continue to go south, more regulations for schools, decreased funding, that's where we come up. Uh, they need to meet enrollment and uh, at tech, um, schools are having to find with teacher shortages across the country that they have to find new technologies on how to expand their, their reach to students. That's awesome, thank you. Um, and I did have one question too, you know, based out of Phoenix, Arizona, how has that uh, ecosystem there helped you to, you know, build your business? You mentioned, you know, the incubators and accelerators that you've been a part of going out right. to Boston for that, but what's that ecosystem like and how has that helped people succeed? In yeah, it's a, it's definitely a growing ecosystem. Um, there are a lot more education companies uh, that are starting to, to flourish in Phoenix. You know, there are a handful. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, it's not a Boston for sure, right? Boston is the Mecca for EdTech. Um, but it's, I think Phoenix in general is a very supportive ecosystem, just of uh, entrepreneurs uh, to a fault, I would say. Um, they make you think that you may be further along than you really are, and it helps out leaving the ecosystem to like really, you know, gut check yourself and, and, and to where you are. Um, but what's really been invaluable are, again, folks like Romy Dillon, like Molly, like folks that have been there and done that. Um, because otherwise, entrepreneurs, 
uh, can waste a lot of time just going to a lot of these networking events and, and if they're not focused, you know, that's where time wasting comes into play. Yeah, I feel like to that point, like even ventures, such a relationship style business, and I feel like EdTech in particular is just very relationship oriented. And uh, I feel like you've definitely done a phenomenal job surrounding yourself with like the right types of people. And so I'm incredibly excited to see as you guys grow and expand into Colorado. And um, so, but I just want to say thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Yeah. It was a great conversation. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And definitely be sure to check out Jaime and Scola at scola.io. That's S-C-H-O-L-A dot I-O. And for links to social profiles and other people, companies, and resources mentioned in the episode, head on over to powderkeg.com and check out the show notes. And to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com forward slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on Powder Keg Igniting Startups.